0: This is the
1: Overdue Homework Podcast.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm joined by Trav. I'm Drew and I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Woo-hoo. <laughs> As always, we are here to talk about 80s and 90s media. how are you doing i am doing pretty good sorry about that except (laughs) for that part
1: (laughs) i am excited to get into this episode for sure we've been kind of chatting maybe more than we should because we try to save it for the podcast but i'm ready to open up these discussions about
0: the shiny yeah that was like almost a five minute lead up until we hit record that's kind of a long one (laughs) uh Uh, I'm really excited to talk about this, too. I'm doing great. Um, Obviously, still doing great after that awesome news in the last podcast, but uh, everything's great in my life. I haven't been called in a hole in a while, so I'm always happy about that. That Um, is good. (laughs) I'm also really excited for this episode. Uh, I say that a lot, but... The Shining is, you know, it's one of those quintessential movies. Oh, yeah. It's just a great movie. It's going to be fun to talk about, like
1: always. Somehow, after watching it four times, I'm already
0: ready to rewatch it come Halloween time. Oh, exactly, exactly, exactly. Halloween time, right after we release this. Yes, (laughs) a week later. Well, since uh, The Shining came out in 1980, do you want to venture a guess what the highest grossing movie was in 1980? What number one was?
1: No way! Was it actually The Shining? No, it wasn't oh, The Shining. Okay, okay, it wasn't okay. The Shining.
0: Take a guess. Any guess? Mm. It is right here in front of you on the notes. But oh, uh, <laughs> oh, Star Wars! Oh, that's crazy! <laughs> of course, I would have never guessed. Of course, it was The Empire Strikes Back. What else could it be? That's my favorite Star Wars movie, honestly. So. Yeah, same here. Uh, Empire is my favorite. <laughs> Enjoy the Empire, big time. Uh, nine to five, number two. Uh, well, I should say. Uh, uh, Empire had $203 million, which in 1980, that's a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Nine to five was number two. You're a big Dolly Parton fan, right? Nine uh, to five. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> that is my movie. Uh, Stir Crazy. I don't know what that is, so nope. <laughs>
1: nope.
0: <laughs> you get all the way down to number eight, Smokey and the Bandit 2. Nice. <laughs> that's one of those movies that I remember watching on TV quite a bit, seeing Smokey and the Bandit 2 on TV growing up and uh, that's my experience with that movie. Never saw it unedited. I doubt it was raunchy besides the innuendo or anything. It was probably a PG movie. Maybe That was yeah, maybe a PG-13 if the PG-13 was even out at that time. I don't think it was in 1980. So Probably not. Just the PG. Um, the Blues Brothers, that's a great movie. Got to love that in 1980.
1: Never seen it, but actually Tim, one of our listeners, just yeah. saw that recently and said he thought it was hilarious. For the first time he saw it? For the first time. You the, oh, the
0: first that's time. that's a, you know, a, an experience with a movie like that. Is like I'm al- almost jealous that he got to watch Blues Brothers for the first time. Yeah, because it's it's a it's a really really good movie. It's totally unique unto itself, and um, obviously exploring that SNL lore. It's a, a a favorite of mine. I enjoy the Blues Blues Brothers quite a bit. Um, Popeye that is also starring Shelley Long. So or not Shelley? Why did it's not Shelley Long? What is their name? What Shelley
1: is Duvall. Shelley Duval?
0: Shelley Duval. Shelley Long is from Cheers,
1: aka Shelley Long. <laughs> I mean.
0: Uh, so she was in uh, Popeye which is number 11 and then coming in at number 12 The Shining and then uh, wrapping out the list that we have lucky number 13 uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie like we've said before not funny. <laughs> yeah,
1: I suppose realistically, Shining being rated R shouldn't be too much higher than number twelve.
0: No, but it, it is a little bit of a different time considering like the rating scale. That after PG, your next step was R. So an R movie probably made more money. I know they're death at the box office now. Yeah, there's kind of been a revi a revival with R rated movies getting you know big box office pulls. So like
1: Deadpool, like
0: maybe. Deadpool, obviously so. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Rated R movies. When I'm not with my child, I demand adult themes. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: want to have something uh sanitized. I demand adult themes. Give me Rated R movies. Right.
1: And I know we're not supposed to mention current things, but... Oh, man, did you see that Hugh Jackman's going to be Wolverine again for Deadpool 3. I
0: just heard that today. That's really cool news. I'm really happy about that.
1: Super stoked. I've been waiting for that forever.
0: (laughs) That is super cool news. I was unsure that he would ever reprise that role again, you know?
1: Yeah, he kind of said the only way he would is if he got to be in some sort of Avengers
0: movie, but I guess Ryan Reynolds talked him into it. Yeah, maybe he will make an appearance in an Avengers movie uh, because of the multiverse, you know? Yeah, Yeah, it's possible. It is very possible. All right. <laughs> excuse me while I burp off Mike um, uh, so do you want to just get on over to that homework review let's do it All right, The Shining, May 23rd, 1980 directed by the venerable Stanley Kubrick it's a favorite of mine, a favorite of yours favorite of everybody's, mm-hmm. should be a favorite of everybody's uh, this movie was co-written by Kubrick and a woman named Diane Johnson, she was a novelist it was based on the Stephen King's 1977 novel of the same name uh, King turned his novel also into a screenplay and script, but uh, Kubrick refused to read it. Can you believe that? I can't believe. <laughs> He's that. like, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read it because he wanted to make his movie. Really? Obviously, right? Um, this movie stars Jack Nicholson. Uh, of course, it does, right? Obviously. Uh, s- did you know that Stephen King uh, did not like Jack for the role? I did not know that. That seems <laughs> crazy after
1: seeing the movie, but.
0: Um, I guess his uh, um, his reasoning was, uh, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest wasn't that far removed from this movie.
1: Yeah, 78. Yeah,
0: so he was super identifiable with somebody that was labeled as insane, a whole movie.
1: Oh, sure.
0: So King was worried that people would automatically be like, well, he's he's crazy from the beginning. Yeah, of course
1: he's crazy. Right, because yeah, okay. the
0: movie's supposed to be about his descent into madness, right? Right, right. And you could argue even after it's supposed to be about his descent into madness from the moment he walks in, he's insane.
1: Definitely. Right. Yeah. That's what I think.
0: The second that he walks in for that interview, he's insane. Yep. <laughs> but I digress. Um, so just to like, you know, kind of expound upon the uh, King and uh, his uh, problems with the movie. Um, he has said that Jack Torrance basically has no arc in the movie. like we said, he just comes in crazy, is crazy the whole time and just ends the movie. Crazy dead. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, King wanted John Voight as uh, the lead character of Jack Torrance. And uh, Martin Sheen was another option. Um, It didn't matter, though, because uh, King was told that Jack Nicholson has the role. It's his role. It's not negotiable.
1: Thank you, Stanley.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because this movie is all about Jack, big time. Um, Shelley Duvall, um, who plays Wendy. Um, she did not get along with Kubrick. Um, and a lot of the stuff that I read basically said that it was a way for Kubrick to try to get the most desperate, you know, uh, performance out of uh, Shelley Duvall by yeah. being a jerk to her the whole time. But it was things like really long shooting days and the, the script changing constantly. Uh, she actually became physically ill from the stress and was losing her hair. Yikes! Yeah. Yikes. Big time. So you can read a really cool article called How the Shining Changed Shelley Duvall Forever at uh, slashfilm.com and there's a link in the show notes just like everything else for th- any of the information that I provide in this uh, podcast. All the links are in the show notes.
1: And you, <clears throat> you've got in here almost made her walk away from acting for good. It did.
0: Uh, like, Holy cow. Yeah, it was a serious, serious thing and there are pictures of the two of them, Kubrick and uh, Duvall, like smiling and like holding arms and stuff, but yeah. apparently that was not the case. He was very rough i'm trying to remember an exact story she when she was outside uh towards the end of the movie when she was outside of the overlook overlook and was coming in uh she missed her cue because it was loud you know all that stuff and so she mm-hmm. missed her cue and instead of uh kubrick coming like through the door and saying hey you missed your cue come on i guess he like burst through the doors and just like just was screaming in her face and stuff like Jeez. that like man that's pretty intense stuff but if you're trying to get a really desperate performance out of somebody. I don't think I can like, like validate his behavior yeah. in any way, but uh, yeah. Stanley Kubrick was an interesting man to say the least. Um, but we also got Scatman man Carruthers and Danny Lloyd in the shining. Um, did you ever see the uh, Simpsons treehouse of horror five with the Nope. Okay. It's a really, really good uh, spoof on the shining. Um, it's the, like the exact same plot. Uh, they're in the overlook hotel, all this other stuff, but, Instead of Homer going crazy because of a writer's block, he goes crazy because there's no beer and no TV. <laughs> so he literally says, no beer, no TV, make Homer something, something. <laughs> and then Marge goes, go crazy? And he goes, don't mind if I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy, it's a great, it's a great, great uh, Shining parody, but they call it The Shinning. Because they don't want to get sued. Oh, sure. And Willie literally says, because we don't want to get sued. Nice. <laughs> uh, it's Overall, it's a really good uh, Treehouse of Horror. It's like a pretty epic one. It's got the toaster tri- time travel episode, the kids getting eaten by the teachers, so like kind of like the Soylent Green thing, and then at the end, it has the gas that turns everybody inside out, which is very funny. One. Singular. And then they all turn inside out. <laughs> 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 well... Should we get to that movie breakdown? Let's do it. Let's do it. So that opening sequence, uh, Trav, um, very lovely aerial shot, correct?
1: Yeah, it's really good. And we say this all the time, but the music or score in yes. this movie yes. is awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. it. It reminds me of a lot of other Kubrick movies, especially like 2001 or A Clockwork Orange. Yeah. It's got a really similar sound to it. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming it was just an orchestra. Some of it sounded synthetic with a synthesizer, but I would assume most of it was just an orchestra. But man, he knows how to set a mood. Yes. There was a whole other score for this movie that was made and completely ready to go for the movie. Oh, yeah. But that got completely scrapped at the end. Um, the artist, I can't remember her her name, but she released the original score to it a few years ago, like her own album. So I've never heard it. I didn't go to listen to any of it, but there's an alternate score out there for The Shining if you're interested. Crazy. Um, watching the Torrance's drive to the Overlook, it's kind of like watching a death march, right? Yeah. Because you know, just by the music, that something weird is going on. Oh yeah. If you've never seen The Shining, you would know. This is seems odd and uneasy. It's almost like they're being followed, you know, instead yeah. of like it being a, uh, like you're observing, it's almost like you're following them, like some entity is waiting for them to get there. I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's she, uneasy and unsettling. Yeah.
1: The music, she mentions the air being thin. Jack seems to be annoyed from both of them immediately. Yes. yes. <laughs> so he's ready for this five months of peace. Yeah. Oh. And doesn't want anything to do with them, seemingly. Uh, seemingly.
0: Um, you and know, slug bug memories. I wrote that down, <laughs> slug bug memories. For sure. <laughs> for sure. This movie made it really easy to break down because of its uh, place cards and its like abrupt, you know, like almost chapter-like yeah. sections of the movie. The something. interview. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Jack calmly walks into the overlook and approaches the front desk, states he has an appointment. He's directed to Mr. Ullman's office. You know that's an impossible window in his office, right? Yeah. It's an impossible window. The, it sh- should be an elevator and like all types of other like and in, not industrial but like building equipment, HVAC equipment and all that yeah. stuff. And even the elevators aren't far enough back into that office. You know, so it's it just doesn't kinda, make sense. You know, and Kubrick that's, you know, he does that on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. It's yeah. not like a continuity mistake on his part, so it's the impossible window. Um, everything is super mundane at the hotel, right? Seems like a normal type of thing. So uh, everything is just uh, going like normal, it seems like. And then flash over to Wendy and Danny. And uh, Danny is questioning the move to the hotel for the winter. But Wendy does her best motherly thing and tries to convince him, give him the silver lining, say it's going to be great. Um, she even brings Tony into the conversation.
1: Yeah, even brings Tony in the conversation. Uh, a little secondhand smoke never hurt anybody either. My goodness. She's just pounding through the cigarettes. She is pounding through those
0: cigarettes in yeah. the whole movie. Not going to lie, as a former smoker, man, it made me want to smoke cigarettes, but (laughs) that's completely, completely... uh,
1: As someone who hates smoking cigarettes,
0: (laughs) it made me glad I don't smoke cigarettes. I could smell it. Literally, I could smell it. My mom smoked in the house while I was growing up. Yeah. And while he was sitting there, I could smell like and taste the cereal and cigarette smoke like oh 100 percent. knew exactly what it smelled and tasted yeah
1: like. that always like puts me in that place because my dad my grandparents they all smoked when i was a kid so yeah i put disgusting how normalized smoking is in that but really it was very normal at yeah. that time. i mean i grew up in the 90s and it was normal in my household so but it's still disgusting yeah
0: along with smoking in restaurants I mean that wasn't until the 2000s in this part of the country, which is insane to think about.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Um, You know, Tony doesn't want to go. Right. Why doesn't Tony want to go? We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We know. We don't know yet. We know. We don't know. (laughs) Um, Back at the Overlook, we get a little bit of Jack's background. He's a former teacher. He's a writer. He was recommended by the people in Denver. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs>
1: Jack Torrance being your teacher? No, <laughs> no. No. No yeah, thanks.
0: What do you think he taught? Do you think he taught high school? Do you think he taught college, college professor?
1: Certainly wasn't
0: grade school. No, it certainly wasn't grade school. Uh, maybe
1: high school, I would guess. But uh, he's only school. been off the drinking wagon for five months, so right. hungover, angry Jack Torrance. <laughs> Probably drunk no, Jack you. Torrance. Yeah, drunk.
0: Um, Jack is looking for a change of pace. Uh the caretaker job is explained to Jack. I would assume that he would know the complete ins and outs of this job before he's ready to commit to living. Yeah. What did I write down? He's gonna commit to a secluded, cut off from the rest of the world, snowed in mountain hotel with like very little information, not yeah. really knowing yeah. what's going <laughs> yeah. on. So that seemed implausible to me, but they do fill him in, I guess, and uh um basically his responsibilities are to keep the hotel from falling apart. Yeah. That's that's it. That's and a, all
1: he truly cares about is the five months of
0: Isolation of of isolation because he's a madman trying to prevent himself from going off the deep end. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, the Grady murders are revealed to Jack in this scene. Um, Jack seems a bit surprised, even though later in the movie, when he's talking to Grady, he mentions, "I've seen your picture in the papers."
1: Yeah, you know. So every time I watch that, I'm wondering in my head, does that mean you saw the picture in the papers that have been kept at the hotel, or was he he literally did his research? I knew that already. Because, I don't know. To me, he doesn't look surprised when he's describing these 1970 murders. I actually wrote the blank stare that Jack gives is horrifying because he doesn't seem to be affected by it at all. That's a good. The other guy staring at him is kind of like worried about what his reaction is going to be. And then he looks a little scared himself. Yeah. Why is he not a little more alarmed by this? That's a good
0: point. I like that. I like that angle on that. Uh, It makes a lot of sense that he's indifferent to it
1: right he's like so yeah maybe he did already know like you said he saw in the papers so it was kind of eh. or he's just like oh perfect excuse for myself to go crazy later in the movie then i don't know
0: uh did you like how uh um allman asked uh, what do the wife and kids think and he's like They'll like it. They'll, they'll like and it. And they're both. And then he's like, Oh, yep. I see it. I'm a misogynist. Also, I <laughs> rule my household. That's fine. What I do is what they do. Correct. <laughs> Wendy's a ghost story and a horror film addict. Anyways. Yeah. How's yeah. my Jack doing? Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. <clears throat> um, but now we get to, to Tony and Danny. Uh, Tony, do you think dad got the job? He's already, he already did Going, He's going to phone your mother. Tony, why don't you want to go to the hotel? Tell me, please. Instead, Tony shows Danny the bloody elevator, and uh, he has a, Danny has a full-on episode seizure, whatever it is that The Shining his I don't know whatever you want to call that yeah. from The Shining that he has happened to him that is yet unexplained to the audience.
1: Right, and um, I, I wrote that Danny is a great child actor.
0: Yeah, he really is. Um, I think. So I'm pr- oh no that I'm thinking of ET. So the dude that was in ET, he apparently had a really really good audition with uh, Steven Spielberg, where he was like crying and doing all his lines and stuff, like really awesome. And Spielberg was like, "All right, kid, enough. You got the part." Sure. So sure. I don't. That I, was ET, not this movie. But... I
1: did also write "Creepy as." F- yeah, though.
0: that's for sure.
1: And yes, there's a few bleeps in this episode because yeah. we said it was rated R. It is so rated I R. figure so a, f- a few bleeps yep. in this episode. Yep,
0: there will be. Um. did you know that Danny came up with the whole finger and the voice and everything? Like really? the
1: actor, it was his idea. That's crazy. I saw in the behind the scenes that they interviewed like a hundred kids for this role. Oh, crazy. And, I didn't and know that. Him, yeah. So
0: Well, it was a good pick. Yeah, it was definitely it's good a really pick. good pick. And you know, there was a, the fact that Danny is the one that came up with the voice and the, the finger deal Um, is kind of an oddity in Kubrick films. Cause he was such a perfectionist, such a control freak. He yeah. wouldn't let people, do something that they wanted to do because it's his movie right Right. it's his movie yeah that's crazy it is pretty cool you know um but after a short evaluation there's nothing physically wrong with the doctor the doc or with danny the doctor explains that it's probably auto hypnosis whatever that means (laughs) he hypnotized himself into a seizure i guess is what she's trying to get at and um i don't know if that's a legit a legit thing that you could claim for a child anymore but it was 1980 probably not Um, so, uh, we actually learn about the incident with Danny and his father at this time. Uh, but Jack, like you said, he's been on the wagon for five months. So that nurse or doctor, I would assume she looked like horrified at the story. Oh yeah. Just horrified. Definitely. It wasn't like a, oh yeah, I can see how that happened. It was like, oh, you're still with him. What are you doing? Exactly. Like I can't believe you're well, still with him.
1: And the way she describes it, how couldn't you think that? I mean, exactly. You know, I mean, he was out three hours later than normal, so you can expect that he would be angry. and yeah. And you know, the papers are over the floor. You know, so I I get it. It happens
0: a hard times. You it's know, the kind it's of thing you do a kid every do to a kid every day. You yeah, know. Yeah. Come on.
1: Yeah. Come on. It sounds mm, like on. a terrified woman trying to yeah. salvage is, her relationship.
0: So what is it called? What is it called? I, I'm sure there's a better name for it now, but battered woman syndrome. Like I feel like, like I've that. heard that. But yeah. Probably a way more politically correct term for it now yeah. instead of that. That's um, the 1980 term for it. <laughs> yeah, Probably. <laughs> uh, but this brings us to the closing. Uh, the fam is on the road to the Overlook Hotel. Um, we get the cannibals conversation. It's a great way to pass the time talking about cannibals on your way up to the Overlook Hotel. Yeah. Um, it's okay. He saw it on the TV. Yeah, Danny already knows all about that. He saw it on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, man. But the family finally gets to the Overlook Hotel. Uh, Jack is in the waiting room. Did you know Do you know what he was reading? Do you know? When he's sitting there waiting for Allman, and I can't remember the other guy's name to come up and get him, when they get there with all their luggage and all that stuff, he's sitting there. They had breakfast or they had lunch and everything. Do you know what he's sitting there reading? uh uh-uh. He is reading a porn mag. What? <laughs> yes. It's a Playgirl magazine. And in that particular issue, there's an article about incest. righty then. Yes, and it was an actual epi- or issue of Playgirl. And isn't Playgirl the
1: shows guys in it? Correct. Okay.
0: Yes. All right. Um, Stanley, yes. so sneaky
1: devil, you.
0: I don't think we're. I don't think I go into it too much. So I think this is probably a good time to probably talk about it. There's a fan theory that Jack is actually sexually abusing Danny. And that this is evidence of the fact that he's sexually abusing. Danny. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Take it for what you want. Yeah. Um. You can't. The only reason I knew that was from a fact from Ten Things You Didn't Know About The Shining. Uh. You know. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah. oh, that's interesting. Playgirl, huh? All so, right. And we already. S- I said this already, but
1: I, that Jack, when they're driving, seems annoyed already with Wendy and da- and Danny. Yep. Does that make you think at all that the murders are premeditated in any way? Like he had a desire maybe to do it and needed some sort of excuse to go crazy or something.
0: It could be, or he was thinking of uh, like, if he does go crazy and kill his family and this is a nice secluded place to do it at. Yeah, that's true. mm, Yeah. I don't know. I might.
1: I can do it and have four months of peace still or something. I don't know. Like,
0: you know, I I was going to touch on it a little bit later in the podcast, but uh, when Danny like envision has those red rum envision vision and visions and Excuse me. When Danny envisions red rum and stuff has those uh, quick flash visions. He's like seeing Jack's actual intentions when he's having those conversations. Right. So it, it is, I would say the idea of killing his family is, is there in his brain and it is a premeditated thing. Yeah.
1: And when we were hanging out last week, we were talking about, I was saying how confusing the blood coming out of the elevator, which is the theatrical trailer. We also found out. Yeah. Um, but now after rewatching a bunch of times other than the first time you see that in the movie every time Danny sees that is when Jack is incredibly angry yes he's either fighting with shell not shelly fighting with Wendy, <laughs> yes, Wendy, not Sh- Shelley Duvall, but but, but yeah, fighting with Wendy or something where he's about to go off the deep end, and I didn't figure that out till rewatching it a bunch of times.
0: Right, knowing that Red Rum is murder. I mean, it's pretty easy to know that. Right. Uh, when he has though, and Danny has those flashes, I think, like I said, you're you're seeing, Jack wants to murder Wendy in that moment. Right. That's what he wants to do in that moment, but he's able to, grab it down and push it down, you know, and kind of so, keep yeah. it away at least a little bit, you know. Right. Uh, so I think that's where th- I think that's where that comes from. Um, but we get to take a step back here quick, and uh, time for a quick look at the place to get everything started right away. So first stop, the Colorado Lounge. That's Jack's workspace. We get the game room with Danny. First instance of the twins. Um, not too terrifying because there's lots of people in the, in the hotel still, lots of commotion, lots of stuff going on. Danny would have no reason to think that they're anything but a couple of girls that are still yeah. at the hotel. Right you know, and there's they're not bloody they seem to be fairly real they don't seem to be doing anything crazy they don't talk so at this point we just probably think that they're just a couple of girls that are running around yeah uh, we get to see the staff wing uh we get to see the apartment it's very uh homie Homie. <laughs> yeah. Very it's, homey. It's a, have you ever been in a what do they call a box car apartment like that in a big city? Uh-uh. Where you come in the entryway, into the kitchen, into the living room. Like it's all one big tube. Like oh, you no. go from the kitchen to the living room to the bedroom to the next bedroom potentially, and maybe uh-uh. a bathroom is in between there. Those are the first time I saw an apartment like that was in New York and those boxcar style I think that's what they're called, style apartments. I couldn't imagine living in one because let's no say way. you live in the back apartment and this bathroom is before the second apartment or the second bedroom. So you get home late, your friend's already asleep. You need to shower. Then yeah. walk through their bedroom to yeah. get to your bedroom. I I mean, no, thank you. Yeah. And probably for like $3,000 a month. If you're yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then we get to see the epic hedge maze, hedge maze, uh, 13 feet high and about as old as the hotel itself. I wouldn't want to go in there unless I had an hour to find my way out. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. When was the overlook built? Uh, construction started in 1907 and was completed in 1909. The site is supposed to be on a located on an Indian burial ground. That's not a good start. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not and, a good start. Yeah. And then he says that they even had to repel a couple of the Indians. So they not only built this on a sacred place for these people, they murdered them while they were <laughs> constructing <laughs> <Yeah>. the building. <laughs> Don't mind them. That's some bad karma. Some bad juju. Uh, the snow cat gets introduced for foreshadowing's sake. And then we get to see the gold room. I always wanted to call it the gold ballroom, but they just call it the gold room. Yeah, and uh, you know, all this stuff is sets, right? Oh, I did not know. It's that. all sets. I Even the exterior that. up close is a set. Wow. Yeah the the like far shots, I guess, are like of the actual hotel and its location, which I can't remember what it's called or where it's at. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which would be good information for this podcast. But that's okay.
1: I also uh, thought it was weird that he asked them both do you both know how to drive a car right and then okay well all right that should be easy enough then because the snow cat is like that and then i also want to say she says pink and gold are her favorite colors i think it looks really
0: horrible it does but, it very speaks of the time pink yeah, and gold definitely That does not, that look, does good. not look good <laughs> together at all like, those are two colors that uh that clash yes um the gold room is definitely a pivotal location we find out there's no booze and we meet dick halloran uh, the head cook Uh, Dick. Dick Halloran. Dick Halloran. (laughs) Danny's brought back to the group. And now we are following Wendy, Danny, and Dick. And Dick. (laughs) We get to see that big ass kitchen. It's big, but it still ain't nothing but a kitchen. Yeah. right. Uh, The walk in freezer. Did you notice that they enter in one location and exit in a different location? I did not. So when they go into that freezer, You see them walk in, the camera quickly switches from an exterior shot, seeing them go into the freezer to an interior shot in the freezer with them standing in the entrance of the freezer. And when it flips at that point, the background has changed and they're actually exiting out of a different freezer.
1: Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah,
0: it's kind of weird. So the freezer that they actually went into, if you pay attention to that scene when they come out, because they come walking down the hallway, the freezer in our orientation would be that they came out of would be on the left. But the freezer that they went into was the first freezer on the right next to the office. Oh, okay. So that's an on purpose thing. You know, that's not a continuity mistake by Stanley Kubrick. Sure. You wouldn't make that mistake. You know, he wouldn't make that mistake. Right, right. Uh, So I thought that was super interesting. It's just a very odd and surreal moment in the movie um, that, unless you're really paying attention, there's no reason for you to notice. Yeah. There's no reason for you to notice whatsoever. Um, But in that, uh Halloran actually calls uh Danny Doc three times, right? Yeah, and he twice just
1: right away. It twice. And then he says it again to like play yeah. it off and act like, oh, he looks like a doc.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, you must have said it or something like that, right? Yeah. But it's the shining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we get to see the storeroom, uh, and we get that shining conversation with Danny. Um, how'd you like some ice cream, Doc? Right? <laughs> yep, yep. Um Danny and Dick Halloran conversation about the shining is next. And this is a very like pivotal moment in the movie Definitely. you know it really lays it out for us lets us know what the shining is lets us know what's kind of going on in the hotel lets us know exactly what's going on in the hotel i guess before we dive deeper into that i
1: wrote product placement did you notice any of the product placement in the room that they were just in i want to sure. he- i want to hear if you remember any oh sure, sure.
0: oreo oreo for sure. Miller wafer yeah tang tang, yep. tang uh let's see what else is in there um, uh man, I can see the boxes and stuff. I think those are the the big ones that yeah, I can really remember.
1: The four I wrote that are like super visible is the Kool Aid and the Tang. Oh, the, and the Tang yeah, next the to each other. Yeah. But man, do I miss Tang commercials when I was a kid? <laughs> those were awesome. And then uh, Frosted Flakes and Heinz
0: ketchup. Ah, uh, yes, a the whole ketchup, but ton of ketchup in there. Yes, yes, yes. I forgot about the Frosted Flakes, but I distinctly remember that now. Um, so this conversation is really important to the movie. Um, and you know, we're just gonna start it off here with what with what Dick Halloran has to say. Do you know how I knew your name was Doc? Uh Dick and his grandma both had the shining, so that shows that it's hereditary. Right. right. Well at least you can assume it's a hereditary. Um Dick thought that he and his grandma were the only ones that had this, and Danny probably did also, right? Yeah. Um, but uh Dick says Others can shine, too. Some don't know they can do it, or others don't believe it. Can Jack shine? Yes, he can, but he doesn't believe it. So that's the the category he falls in. Right.
1: I wrote that down specifically because we were kind of talking about realizing that he can shine, but he suppresses it or doesn't want to believe it. And then when we rewatched that, and I hear Dick say that, Okay, that is literally what
0: Jack falls into. He doesn't want to believe it. I think it's mostly he doesn't want to believe it because he doesn't understand what's happening when it it does happen. But I think it's also some of the he doesn't know that he can do it. Right. So he doesn't believe it. He thinks it's like a complete exterior thing. It's not coming from him. Was his
1: drinking suppressing his ability to shine?
0: I would think that that may be one of the reasons why he was drinking was to suppress those. Visions, right. auditory hallucinations, feelings, who knows In which, which case, case then
1: he doesn't know slash, you know, he's using that to not believe it. Or right. To forget about it.
0: Right. Exactly. No, exactly. I think that's a very um, realistic reason for his drinking and his uh, obvious extreme drinking that he was doing. Right. Um, Danny does not want to talk about it. You know, he he has no, he's scared by it mostly. I'm not supposed to. I'm not supposed to. Right. Uh, who said you ain't supposed to? Tony. Tony. Of course Tony did. So Tony and Danny, it's like a split personality thing, right? Right. So, like, Danny is the one that can shine, and or Danny is the one that doesn't shine, and Tony is the one that does shine. Yes. So Danny almost falls into some of the don't believe it category himself, right? True, yes. Yeah. It's made him split his personality, basically. So yeah. he doesn't necessarily understand the mechanisms of what make it happen or yeah. how he can control it or trigger it exactly or whatever, like Dick does. He says it. he
1: kind of just blacks out and right. then doesn't really remember anything.
0: Yeah, and you know, one of the reasons why Danny doesn't want to talk about it is because Tony shows him horrific things. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Horrific, scary things for a how old is he? Eight-year-old? F- is he that old? Yeah, maybe not. Five-year-old? I was thinking five, but yeah, I'm yeah. not sure maybe. I don't recall them ever saying a specific age. That's true. So I, 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 so since he's not at school in the wintertime, I could say five. I think five, okay. is, a, I think five is a good because uh, I did think that. I'm like, What's he doing for school? But that makes sense. He's five. He's not in school. Yet. Yeah. Um. But, you know, Halloran, he keeps pressing Danny and asking if his parents know uh, what Tony is telling that Tony's telling Danny things to do, you know, Um. but no, Tony told him not to tell his parents right. that he's any of this stuff is happening. Um. Halloran wants to know if Tony has told Danny anything about the Overlook Hotel. Uh, Danny's reluctant to tell Halloran anything and instead changes the subject and asks Dick Mr. Halloran, are you scared of this place? I huh. ain't scared of nothing. I think he's petrified of the place. Oh yeah, like just absolutely petrified of the place. One hundred percent, and he's
1: that's why he's pressing him because if he's seen any glimpse of some of the crap that's going on here, he knows how scared he is. right? Yeah,
0: anything. exactly. No, exactly. Um, so Halloran says that some of the place, some places shine like some people do. That things that happen in a hotel can leave traces behind. That the hotel is old and a lot of shit has gone down. Right. So a lot of weird psychic energy is probably hanging around, if you believe a that sort of happened. Yes. <laughs> um, but then Danny uh, asks him, what about room 237? Um, what about room 237? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, You're scared of room 237. There ain't nothing in room 237. Stay out. You understand? Yeah. Stay out. He was definitely, as soon as Danny mentioned Room 237, he was like, uh, this is potentially terrible. Yeah. <laughs> this is not going to be good. Um, So there's a couple of cool facts about this scene. Um, It's possible that it holds the world record for the most takes of a single close-up. Apparently, the close-up of Scatman Carruthers talking to Danny took 148 takes. What? Holy crap. Corroborated by Garrett Brown on the Blu ray commentary. Holy cow. And then even the shot of uh, Halloran and Danny together, that took 88 takes. Like, of them talking, getting through the dialogue? The scene over. over, Oh my gosh. Over. over.
1: Well, that's. I mean, I don't know if that makes me appreciate it more or less, but I I wrote that this is the most real talk in the entire movie. The whole movie. This is like the scene that really gets you going to somewhat understand what the hell's going on in this movie
0: it's the bedrock that f- lets the story form off of it
1: yeah and i just think you know dick is a really good actor and i already said danny is and just the way he can kind of sense how scared he is yeah that's that's crazy so it took a, a lot of damn takes to a get this
0: lot time. a lot of takes that is for sure um next after this scene, like you said, this is a great scene, and it really set the tone for... Not set the tone, but gave us all the information we need for the rest of the movie. Right. The rest of the movie could potentially be silent, and we should be able to figure out what's happening. Exactly. So that's pretty dang cool. But flash to a month later, Wendy with breakfast, Danny on his big wheel. Yeah. I, that iconic, iconic big wheel. You want to hear some cool stuff about that big wheel? I do. Okay. So Steadicam was used for that shot. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that was... Kubrick's first use of Steadicam. Yep. And he absolutely loved the Steadicam. Steadicam was introduced in 1975. Okay. So this is like five-year-old technology. And this movie was probably filmed in 1978, 1979. True. So it was three-year-old technology. Yeah. So this is like brand new stuff. Um, Hollywood had fallen in love with it, like I said, and so did Kubrick. Um, For Danny's big wheel ride, the Steadicam system was mounted upside down and was two to three inches off the floor. Yeah. So that's pretty dang neat. And a specially designed wheelchair for the camera operator was used to move him around the hallway. That's so cool. And you know that super-duper iconic alternating sound of him going from carpet to hardwood, carpet to hardwood. Didn't they
1: have no idea it was going to work out like that?
0: No, Kubrick was completely surprised by it in the
1: films that they watched that day from the cuts. Yeah, completely super cool.
0: And that is arguably one of the most iconic things in the movie.
1: Oh, for sure. Every time I see that, I think Shining and I think man, I wish I was a kid in this <laughs> big ass hotel.
0: I bet you if you just played a recording of the Yeah <laughs> on the People radio. It. What movie is yeah. this? Oh The Shining, duh. <laughs> yeah. The Shining. I think that's it's it's really cool that it was a completely happy accident. Yeah. Hundred percent. That stuff is fun and the best this movie has a couple of instances like that where it mm-hmm. was just completely ad lib, complete accident. I mean Danny doing the voice. The the sound with the big wheel. And then, of course, Jack's iconic line was completely improvised. So yeah that was not in the script. Thank you, Jack Nicholson. Uh, but Wendy finally makes it to the apartment for with breakfast. And we get lots of uses of mirrors in this movie, right? Yeah. And this is one of the really obvious times when you see Jack's reflection in the mirror. Mm-hmm. You almost think that it is him because the mirror, you know, the camera's right up on that. You almost think that that's the space where Jack is. But in, in actuality, it's his reflection. Yeah. And I think that shows to you that maybe reflections or showing who you really are is a big part of what this hotel is about. Like yeah. brings out who your inner person is, if it's good or if it's bad or if it's psychotic and crazy. You right. Know? So they, between that and the lake at the beginning, the mirror in that bedroom again, later in the movie, mirrors are a very important part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jack asks Wendy, what time is it? It's 1130. Whoa. 11.30. <laughs> I want to sleep until 11.30 some morning. Seriously. Uh, but Wendy and Jack, they have that quick conversation while Jack eats breakfast. It's only been a month, but the uneasiness is obvious.
1: Obvious. And what the hell? It's been a month, and she asks him to go outside for a walk, and he's like, no, that ain't happening. I, I got I to gotta get some writing done. <laughs> well, what the hell you doing sleeping until 11.30, you <laughs> I just made you bacon and eggs, and right. you can't give me a 10-minute walk around the hotel? <laughs> God, what a jackass. Uh,
0: man, in that conversation, too, Jack talks about his deja vu. Yep. Uh, and he's really, like, serious about it. You can tell in his face he's serious about it. And when Wendy kind of just blank stares him back. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You can tell that he tries to play it off as... So yeah. that points back to he's denying his ability to right. shine, you know. Right. He's like, Oh, it was just a joke, it was deja vu, <laughs> yeah.
1: and he the he's so interested in it.
0: Yeah, you know? Right. So. like I've been here I'm, time and time before. I like knew what exactly was coming around every corner. And then he gives you the whoo. Yeah, right. So he's just playing it off as a joke. Yeah. Um, next we see Jack's typewriter in the Colorado lounge. It's blank and uh Jack is throwing a racquetball against the wall. Jack's got some writer's block.
1: Yeah, and for whatever reason, I don't know if that's supposed to foreshadow scariness, but when it goes from that to the pounding before you can tell that he's throwing a ball, it mm. just makes me yeah. think of the axe going through yeah, the door later. That's, it's like, whoa.
0: That's some really good foreshadowing. He's even making similar motions that you would make if you're throwing an axe through a door, if you're chopping down a door. Yeah, That's some good foreshadowing, Trav. I like that a lot. We get to see Wendy and Danny in the hedge maze. And Wendy and Danny are wandering the maze, and Jack is uh, wandering the halls of the hotel. Jack approaches the hedge maze model. Get that pretty cool, amazing uh, hedge maze shot. shot, Hedge maze. Overhead hedge maze shot. There it is. There it is. Serve a little drink of water after that one. (laughs) You get that really cool, seamless transition, right? Yeah. Just zooming in. Yeah, it is really cool. That is the only special effects shot in the movie yeah that's the only one um do you know how it was done i swear i did watch this so just for a little uh uh, scope on the situation in 2022 this shot would be done with a computer or a drone yeah it'd just be completely rendered digitally or you'd get a drone to go over a hedge maze and do that but that's no such luck in the 70s what are you going to do have a helicopter hover over this thing you know that just wouldn't work you know just wouldn't work at all you'd See the wind wash from the helicopter, all types of stuff. So it's actually really, really hard to tell what they're doing because it is that seamless. It's like a really, really cool shot. So in a direct quote from cinemablend.com, the crew simply made a movable reproduction of the middle section of the maze and brought it next to a tall apartment complex. Hanging off the edge of the roof, the crew got the shot required, and then the material was spliced superimposed with a shot of the model of the maze photographed in scale so it's just splicing film together yeah that's pretty dang cool right it looks so good like that rivals any other piece of technology that you'd see in a movie today for sure i feel like even if you did do that shot uh with cgi today it wouldn't look as good i don't think so either i've said it before and i'll say it again on this podcast i love practical effects yes it's the time the foresight the skill everything about that right absolutely love it um, but then we get to see Wendy preparing for dinner with the TV on, and we get the first uh, hint that there's a snowstorm coming. Yep. The the biggest snowstorm ever, I guess. Uh, Danny riding in the halls again. Uh, of course, he's tempted by room 237, but it's locked for now. Thank goodness. Yes. Um, what did Tony show Danny that made him so interested in this room? We get that quick flash of the twins, but is that enough? I don't get it either. Like, I mean... Just the fact that it's the a psychic point draws his shiningness to want to go to it. Right. Because if you are having a vision of the creepy twins that you saw the first day you were at this hotel and you're like, wait a second, they weren't actually here. I'm having visions of these people now. I may want to stay away from room 237. Yeah. So that's like my only explanation is that it's like almost like a magnet drawing him to it like the psychic energy. Basically,
1: like I'm five years old and I (laughs) called Dick out for being scared of this room. What (laughs) in the hell could make me want to go open this? Um, I I don't know.
0: To him, that's
1: got to just be like looking like candy or glowing or something.
0: And he obviously can't resist the room because he keeps riding his big wheel by it. Right and he could probably avoid it. It's the second floor. had yeah. it around on the first floor. Yeah. It shouldn't be able to, yeah. <clears throat> but Danny returns to his big wheel um, after, you know, that flash of the twins. Uh, Jack's typing away again in the Colorado lounge. He looks haggard. Yeah, he, he does. He looks haggard. Uh, Wendy interrupts him. Hi, hun. How's it going? Uh, and Jack hides what he was typing. Do You think he was already typing the phrase? I'm very
1: curious if he was, no, but if he wasn't, he sure as hell is after she leaves this.
0: Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, yes. Wendy tries to make conversation with Jack, but Jack is very on edge. I just want to finish my work. You're distracting me. You understand? With a lot of choice F words in there. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, cursing in this movie is really used effectively. Oh yeah. It's not thrown away. It's when Jack is like having a psychotic moment is when the cursing happens. So it makes a lot of sense with the movie. But uh, 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 Wendy just replies, yeah, like yeah. Mm. Poor, poor Wendy. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, right. uh, Jack wants to be left alone and literally tells Wendy to off.
1: Yeah, <laughs> before he gets that, she's like, "Okay, he said to me about three, four times. All right, I'll just come back later with a couple sandwiches and maybe you'll let me read something <laughs> then. Get the out of here." <laughs> <laughs> she was not getting it, but I think he made his point very clear by the end of that conversation. Yes. I, I would never want to go in there again.
0: And Kubrick's point of also showing us that if you didn't already think so, you are now officially looking at a madman. Oh, yeah. He is off the deep end. It's, right. He has reached that tipping point. Whether this conversation was it or not, it could have been something culmination of events, but he is over that edge in my opinion. Yes. Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> the snowstorm has hit and Wendy and Danny are out playing in the snow. That looked like a lot of fun, right? It did. You know it's all fake, right? Yes. It is all fake. Yeah. No fit no real snow. That's all in a sound studio. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Um, Jack is inside doing the Kubrick stare. Have you ever heard about the Kubrick stare?
1: I've never heard of it, but this is something I wrote in my notes. Yeah. How terrifying that look was. Exactly.
0: That's kind of a thing that Kubrick does in his movies. So okay. like go look it up. If you're crazy in a Kubrick film, you do the stare. I I think I can already
1: picture the stare in Clockwork Orange. For sure. Even though I've never
0: seen that, I know. When he's sitting in the milk lounge, it's like at the very beginning of the movie, he's already doing the stare because Alex and his droogs were straight nuts. Yeah, but holy cow. (laughs) That is,
1: there's no point. Just like when uh, Jack Nicholson's the Joker and you kind of corrected me and said, he's amazing from the beginning, even before he's the Joker. It's not really questionable in this movie either, but at this point, I'm thanking myself that Kubrick was like, I don't care who else you guys want, I'm picking Jack for this role.
0: Because, damn, that stare is horrifying. It is. And it's like the combination of his eyebrows and the way he, his facial features. Like, he's got a very unique face, Jack Nicholson does. And he's not like, I wouldn't say traditionally a handsome man. No. But he's just a very unique and just a, it's like the very different type of handsome. Yes. Like you're just so unique in looking and acting and sounding and everything. Yeah. You know? It's uh the perfect, I know because we don't have any reference for anybody ever to be able to make this movie with Stanley Kubrick and all the other, and all the other, uh, set pieces. But I, I just can't imagine, I can't see any other actor of the time playing like John Voight. That movie would have been garbage.
1: <laughs> it would have <laughs> <Seriously>. been garbage. <laughs> Martin Sheen. Is that the other one? Yeah, I could,
0: Maybe see a Martin Sheen do it, but no. Jack yeah. Nicholson all the way. Yeah, for sure. Saturday. Saturday. The snow is piling up. Um, more typing. Um, uh, the phones are dead. Yeah. And the radio stays on for all time now. No more turning the radio off. Yes. Um, we get Danny on his big wheel again. That big wheel keeps on getting Danny into trouble. Yep. Um, we see the twins in the staff wing, so where they were murdered, I'm assuming, is in that hallway. That's yes. the exact murder spot. Come play with us, Danny. Sort of sounded like that uh, Charlie. <laughs> Those, uh, Charlie the Unicorn, do you remember that yeah. at all? all right, that's what it kind of sounded like. Um, it's a pretty gruesome scene, um, but remember what Mr. Halloran said. It's just like pictures in a book. Yeah, it oh, can't yeah. hurt you until they do. Monday. Monday. Wendy and Danny are watching TV, a TV that isn't plugged in. What? Yeah, so that's kind of weird, right? It is weird. Like we've said before, Kubrick doesn't do that stuff on accident. Yeah. There's a reason for that. Yeah. It's not like, I like it. it it's, aesthetically, it's much more pleasing to have no power cord. He's got a reason for not having power cord there. I wish I knew the reason. Yeah, uh, We'll dive into it a little bit later. Danny wants his fire engine, but... Uh, Jack is sleeping, so Wendy is super reluctant to let Danny go up there because Jack is a powder keg waiting to go off, and Danny is or uh, Wendy is deathly frightened of him already.
1: Yes. So right? how about you step up being a good mother?
0: Go do it yourself,
1: <laughs> and go do it yourself, or tell him you don't need that damn fire truck because yeah, well, there is no way I would have just lived what I lived with Jack the day before as I'm trying to bring him some sandwiches. And then I'm gonna let Danny, without me holding his hand, go up to get his fire truck, go with or something. And then you can apologize and take the heat from Jack and get Danny <laughs> right. out of there. But no,
0: nope, just send him off. It is. It is a little funny though. Uh, she does kind of like try to tell him, "No, I don't want you to go up there." Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's like, "I'll oh, tiptoe," and she's like, "All right, whatever." Okay. Oh <laughs> uh, boy. Uh, Jack is awake though. That's, that's a scary moment, right? Yep. That's that camera, that's that quick pan, like as much as almost as fast as Danny turns his head over there, it's that quick pan, like he's, you're seeing what Danny's seeing almost. Yep. Um, he's super paranoid and he's being very weird. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, that conversation that Jack calls him over to have, Jack calls Danny over to have, is very intense. Yes. And it looks like Danny's waiting to get punched in the face.
1: Oh, 100%. It's just what he's waiting for. Yeah. So that can definitely play into the abuse idea.
0: Yeah, and the whole,
1: yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, if he's, so I forget if he was five or if I'm just thinking, you're right, he's eight, and this incident happened three years ago, which would have made him five, where he dislocated his shoulder or whatever from Jack pulling him. But either way, he is five at the oldest when that happens. Of course he's terrified of having to yeah. talk alone with Jack. You know, Scarred I mean, for life after 100%. an incident like
0: that. Um, Jack says a couple of key things in this conversation, and one of them is uh, especially key. Uh, I never want us to leave. Yeah, that's a red flag, there, Danny. Yeah, D-
1: <laughs> Danny didn't want to go in the first place, so now you're saying you never want to
0: leave. Oh. <laughs> he also tells Danny that I would never hurt you, and uh, that unfortunately is usually the last thing you hear from somebody before they hurt you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you you know that, right? I would never um, hurt you. <laughs> I wish I could say I did, Dad, but you did hurt me once. (laughs) So
0: you mean again? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that scene is super intense. It's uh, there's very little sound. I don't think in that film in that uh, scene at all. I just remember being very quiet and being super intense. Yes, Dad. No, Dad. Yes, Dad. Oh boy. Yeah. Feel for the kid. Good actor. Definitely. Feel for the kid. Wednesday. Wednesday. That snowstorm is still a cooking out there. Uh, Danny's playing in the halls of the hotel again, right next to room 237 again. Yeah. You Don't, know, whatever. Yeah. You know. uh, that ball rolls up. Mom? Yeah. Danny approaches and then goes into room 237.
1: Yeah, Mom, are you in 237?
0: Because <laughs> Dick
1: said not to go in there. <laughs> you
0: know, it's interesting. Um, I noticed where Danny was playing on a different watch through. I missed it maybe the first or second time. When he stands up and you see the shot from behind looking down the hallway towards room 237, and 237 would be on the left-hand side of the hallway, or the right-hand side of the hallway, you see a double door with exit written above it. Oh, yeah. So he could have easily just gotten out of there. Oh, yeah. But instead, he decides to go to the room. I, I feel like that's an intentional, like... Showing that Danny is drawn to this room and he can't deny the impulse to go there.
1: Right. And maybe, you know, Dick knew that. Like, Dick knew this is kind of like, it like could, radiating yeah. Yeah. craziness and you're going go to want to go towards it. So just ignore it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Don't go to room 237 because yeah. you can't fight it. Maybe he can barely fight it. It could so be. So he stays away and especially a five-year-old or eight-year-old curious kid. Yeah.
0: I think I think 5. I think you're right okay, with five. 5. I really think you're right with 5. Um it really doesn't get a whole lot creepier than that scene when you get that shot from Danny's height, his point of view. Yeah. And you're just going around that corner, you can't see anything in that mirror when you're walking around. I'm literally getting chills about it right now yeah. just talking about <laughs> it cuz that's so frightening. He's in that hotel by himself basically. Yeah. His parents could be hundreds of yards away. Yeah. You know, and he's there by himself. You get that feeling when you're in your basement by yourself sometimes, where you kind of like, oh, there's something behind me, oh, but you 100%. know you're by yourself. Yeah, it, I that was a frightening scene. Which to backtrack is really weird. How
1: I don't know if this was just normal in 1980, but they don't give a where Danny goes without no. them in the beginning. Like they're in the gold and pink gold ballroom, and she's like, "Hi, Danny!" Like, <laughs> oh, I found him out wandering around by himself, and they're not like. Danny, don't do that or oh kid. Right. I just don't get it. They're just like,
0: well, whatever. Yeah, He's I know. five. It is it was a a, a really different time. And you know, some people still practice the free range parenting stuff. Yeah. I don't feel like you can be a true free range parent anymore. No. Um we let our daughter move about the neighborhood pretty freely. Yeah. Um, but uh, other than that, if I find out she was crossing the road out there, I'd be like, Uh yeah. well, what are you doing? You yeah, know well, with all those other yeah. I mean
1: not that they should assume anybody in that hotel is like weird right away, I guess, but still. Right.
0: Uh, Who rolled the ball at, Danny? <sighs> certainly wasn't the girl in the bathtub, so I don't no. get it. Is it. Poten- potentially, is it Jack? Is it, it Jack? It potentially
1: is Jack, because we don't know where Jack is right now. We don't
0: know where Jack is right now. We find out very quickly where he is, but... Yeah, and Jack is so quick to...
1: Tell Wendy she's the crazy one basically for believing anything that Danny says. That you know, he's got nothing but time on his hands, he definitely can be setting something up. Yeah, he could. I didn't really think of that, but now that you say that, it's making me think maybe it was Jack.
0: I mean later on in the movie it almost feels like he's working on behalf of the hotel is the hotel already controlling him to lure Danny into right. room 237 which is possible
1: and maybe he's blacking out like Danny does and doesn't necessarily uh, remember
0: you it you know if you know if you're going to play off the thing where it's a um the shining is based on heredi- hereditary means or her- hereditary reasons um it would make sense that if that's a symptom that Danny has where he blacks out while he's shining it would, uh, logic would stay, say that maybe the same thing happens to Jack Yeah, and it's just the way he deals with it, you know, in yeah. just a little bit of a different way. So, you know, that's a, that's a uh, really good point. You could also say this is the first instance of the ghosts, the pictures, um, demonstrating that they can physically move objects. True. Yeah. They, which is kind of what I
1: thought originally watching yeah. it. I
0: it, it with with uh, the events that happen later in the movie, it that makes more sense. That makes more sense yeah. than it being Jack, but you could make a case for it having it been could, Jack. It could be Jack. Um, we get to see Wendy doing some maintenance, and she hears Jack screaming. So naturally, Wendy goes to see what's happening, even though he told her to f*** off. Really right. Um, Jack is face down on the table screaming. Um, he was dreaming about killing the family, cut you up into little pieces. I must be losing my mind. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I kind of thought that yesterday when I offered you a couple sandwiches and you told me to go (laughs) off. But yes, I agree, Jack. You are losing your mind.
0: Uh, To step back really quickly to that scene where he did say that, where she interrupted Jack, um, if you look in the back of that uh, scene, there's a chair that disappears and reappears with the different shots. Really? Yes, so that's another one of those weird happenstance things that is an on-purpose thing. Right, right. Like, that was meant for you to see. So I don't know. Uh, it, who knows the reasoning behind that? I certainly don't. Um, but now Danny's coming in to break up what's going on in there because it was just weird. Yeah. Um, it takes a while for Wendy to notice. Uh, but when she does notice that uh, uh, Danny's hurt, she immediately blames Jack. 100%. There's no hesitation. Yeah. How could you do this? Right. As soon as she notices. Yeah. And like we said, it it could have been
1: Jack, but he also seems like maybe he did just black out and right. he was dreaming I mean, dreaming in quotes yeah. maybe that this happened, but maybe he was
0: hurting Danny. Jack does little to nothing to defend himself in that instance. Right. He just looks, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. not, no, I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. No.
1: I mean, he genuinely seems like he has no idea he... how he could have done it, but
0: that doesn't mean he didn't do it. Right. It doesn't yeah. mean he didn't do it at all. And he didn't defend himself. That's yes. the biggest weird thing for me yeah. on that one. Um, But... Jack's now pretty P.O.'d, so he's kicking over all that stuff and heading over to the Gold Room. Yep. Um, This is Jack's first major psychotic episode. Yes. And it's a pretty pivotal point for Jack and the way he's going to interact with the hotel for the rest of the movie. I'd give my (laughs) damn soul for a glass of beer. (laughs) Hi, Lloyd. Hey, Lloyd. (laughs) You set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. Uh, Jack does know it's a delusion, right, at this point? I believe so. It's because he ha- knows the whiskey has no flavor. You can see right, it on his right, face, right? right? Yeah. He takes that swig, he looks at it, and it's just a look of disappointment. Yeah. The look of somebody that was a raging alcoholic, right. has been on the wagon for five months, yeah. is finally going to get his first drink. And, and then it's, he's like, this sucks. Nothing. It probably yeah. tasted like nothing because at that point, he probably figured out that it was a complete delusion. It's just the delusion isn't strong enough yeah. yet. It's that first step. Um, Jack does confess to hurting Danny in this scene also. Yes. So we do get to see that it was true. And he does little to nothing also to disguise the fact that it was probably on purpose. Right. You know, he says, could happen to anyone, a momentary loss of muscular coordination. Yeah. Just those practice lines that he told a hundred doctors, a hundred right. police officers after the incident happened. Um, but Wendy shows up with her bat. Her trusty old bat after that. Her trusty old bat. Uh, There's someone in the... She screams it, but there's someone in the hotel with us. She tried to strangle Danny. It's a crazy woman in the bathtub. Yeah. Now, frightening. That's got to be... So, she didn't actually see it. It's just what Danny said. Right. How frightening would that be for you as a person where you're... You've been here for nearly two months, month and a half now, and you're isolated, you're by yourself. And then all of a sudden your son's telling you there's somebody in a room that strangled me. Like, yeah. That's, that is straight out of a horror flick.
1: <laughs> yeah. You were scared
0: enough thinking it was
1: Jack. Now you think it's some mystery. Well, random. In the bathroom.
0: Yeah. Um, flash the Halloran watching TV. Um, Halloran gets called by Danny, right? Right. Yeah. He's seemingly, yes. He is trying to communicate with Dick Halloran right now, trying to get him to do something to yeah. help him out. Cause yeah. Danny, at least Tony, understands the dire situation that day. Right. He yes. understands that Jack wants to murder all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about it. No. Nope. So,
1: Dick, if you want to
0: come back over here, that'd be great. Right. And he's literally, he's literally showing Dick Halloran what is going on in the hotel at that moment. Right? Yeah. The craziness that is ensuing, whether it's, you know, the... Thirty minutes leading up and maybe thirty minutes into the future, because like Dick Halloran said, they can see the past, sometimes the future. So, you know, it's a it's, right. a, well, it's a, a grouping of time, I guess. Now we get to go to room two thirty seven because Jack's got to check it out, see what's going on. You know, be yeah. that good dad that he is.
1: <laughs> yeah, after calling her crazy basically for right, believing right. Danny in
0: the first place. Um, Jack heads in and he's confronted by a naked lady. It's he- sexy time. Yeah, hell yeah, perfect. You it's- hurt my boy? No problem. I'll <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you want? <laughs> um, it's a ruse, though. Whatever this being in is just being is is just trying to lure Jack in because it's actually a really gross uh, naked old lady. She's dead. Yeah, yeah. yucky. Very gross. <laughs> And yuck, very yuck, horrifying.
1: Yuck, yuck. I don't want it. That's the one scene I could I could fast forward through that scene. Yes. I don't like it. I
0: remember the first time I saw that, I was like physically repulsed. Oh, yeah. Physically repulsed by it. This is one instance, though, where like the the practical effects, the makeup on the old woman, uh, it doesn't hold up very well. You can, yeah. you can see that it's like prosthetic stuff on right. her body. Right. So it's a little bit less without that, uh, that fuzzy VHS grain. You know, yeah. it's a little bit more scary when you could leave your imagination to it. Um, it's a very suspenseful scene and it's a very odd scene. It's, you just don't know quite what's going to happen and all the things that you think are going to happen, start to happen. Yeah. And then the switch and it's disturbing. It's dirty. And then that laugh at the end, right? Yeah. That laugh. Her at laugh The laugh is horrible. it will stick with you. That's for sure. Um, Dick at this point is trying to get in contact with the Torrances. um, And it's not going very well, because obviously the phones are dead, right? Right. It's it's not going very well right now. Very well right now. Uh, But then we get to see Jack meeting up with Wendy, and he lies to her. There's nothing in room 237. Besides the dead naked lady.
1: Well, I was going to sex with her, but she turned out to
0: be disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that, Wendy. But Wendy asks, what about the bruises on Danny's neck? Jack says, he did it to himself. Yeah. (laughs) Wendy isn't buying it. Along no, with no, Wendy's of this. not buying that. Uh, but we see that Danny is listening to his parents psychically. Um, he can see what Jack's plans really are with the flashes of red rum. At yeah. the, in this moment, Jack wants to murder Wendy. Yes. He wants to kill her right then and there. Um, but Wendy wants to leave the mountain. So, uh, but Jack isn't going to let that happen. Mm, you know, it's nope, nope, the nope, first nope. time that she tries to convince him. And I don't know why she's so dead set on bringing him with. Yeah. She's like dead. on if he doesn't want to go, I'm just going to have to do it on my own. No, you should have done it on your own hours ago. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Hours ago. (laughs) Ah, boy. Halloran finally gets in contact with the Forestry Service and they're going to try to contact the Torrances via radio. Um, but we get to see that New Year's ball now. Full-blown full, full blown psychotic break with reality at this point. We got a whole ballroom full of ghosts. Yep. <laughs> Jack is back at the bar, and Lloyd and Jack are eating. Well, back, Jack is back at the bar. That's kind of a hard uh, sequence of words. Jack, to is say. The <laughs> Jack is back at the bar. Jack is back at the bar with Lloyd, and uh, Jack is eating and drinking at this point. Yeah. So, And he's not noticing that it's fake. Yes. So he is... That shit yeah he is bad shit crazy at this point um, bourbon on the rocks and it's free he kind of puts up a little fight about wanting to know who's paying for his drinks and stuff and then Lloyd says oh you'll find out yeah he's probably not gonna want to find out in right. so many words you know but you'll find out eventually yeah <laughs> but he's like all right I'll drink up it's free free booze who cares right right um, Jack at this point he must want to get up and like schmooze with the rest of the people uh, in the because why else yeah. would he get up from the bar right exactly Except for to run into Grady, because he runs into Grady, the former caretaker. Uh, The drinks are spilled everywhere and off to the bathroom to get cleaned up. Um, Why won't Grady admit that he is the former caretaker? I really don't understand that. Yeah, it's kind of odd, especially since he basically, he does admit it moments later. Right. Unprompted. five minutes. Right. Even after Jack calls him out on, I recognize you, you were the caretaker. He's like, I hate to inform you that I was not the caretaker. I actually wrote that line down. Uh, Let me see. He says, I'm sorry to differ with you, sir, but you are the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know. I've always been here. Right. Yeah.
1: So, So, yeah, and I don't get it. At first, it seems like Grady could possibly be afraid of Jack, even though we know that's impossible. But then within five minutes, like you said, he flips the script and it's like he uses what he did to motivate
0: Jack yeah. to do the same thing. That's well, exactly what he does. I corrected. Exactly. <laughs> um, Grady does spill the beans before that, though, about the fact that Danny's trying to bring Haller to the Overlook. Yes. Um, and then there's a few uncomfortable N-words. Yes. Yeah, very yeah. uncomfortable. It does not hold up. Um, Jack does ask how, and he said, this is where the shining is revealed to Jack, that something different's happening with Danny than what he thinks is happening. Yeah. He says, your son has a great talent and he's attempting to use that talent against your will. Right. So is is that, uh, is that Grady saying that Jack should be able to influence Danny in the way he uses the shining? Because if Jack can shine too, I right. don't know. Because he says it's just an odd phrasing to say using it against your will. Like, right. do you have control over it then? Yeah. It's just kind of an odd phrasing. And like we've said before, Kubrick had a reason, reason for wording it that way. Yeah. And like you said, time for Jack to do some correcting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the famous Red Rum, red rum scene, right? Um, Wendy, we see Wendy pacing and basically planning her escape. which you know we said she should have done a while ago but she's at least trying to do something but she hears Danny screaming red rum but uh, Danny isn't there it's just Tony Danny's gone Mrs. Torrance Danny's gone Um, and finally that uh, SOS not really an SOS but that communication from the forestry service is finally coming through KDK1 calling KDK12 KDK1 calling KDK, Katie. KD. do you read me? <laughs> KDK12. That's harder to say than I expected it to be. Um, nope, because Jack just took the transistors out of, I'm assuming vacuum tubes, transistors, that yeah. was my best guess, yeah, out of the radio. He just
1: pulling out till it quit
0: working, basically. Exactly. Halloran finds out that there has been no contact with the Overlook because Jack disabled the radio. Um, 8 a.m., Halloran is on a flight to Colorado, and then he's landing in Colorado. It's a great little sequence. Love that part of the movie to see him take off and then land within, you know, 30 seconds of the two (laughs) seconds. (laughs) It's completely necessary. (laughs) Um, Dick calls in a few favors to get himself a snowcat so we can drive up to the Overlook because he knows there's the big storm. That was the whole impetus behind him. Um, One of the reasons behind him wanting to get in contact with the Overlook besides Danny calling him. Yeah. Um, But with Dick on the Way, we find Wendy and Danny watching cartoons. The Roadrunner Show. I remember watching that in reruns. Roadrunner. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember that intro, though, somehow. Uh, um, b- 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 I feel like I do remember it, but it could be one of those false memories, you know, like, where you hear something or have seen something or just because of your past experiences, like, your brain's like, yeah, you experienced that. Yeah, yeah. Eh maybe when,
1: when really you only ever heard it in the shiny exactly yeah.
0: exactly exactly um wendy does get up the courage to go talk to Jack. go talk to jack and tell him they're gonna leave with or without him she yeah. was still at this point trying to get jack to come with don't get it don't <laughs> get it <laughs> okay, yeah, whatever don't get it and now the famous all work and no play makes jack a doll boy with a bat in hand, Wendy enters the Colorado Lounge only to discover hundreds of typewritten pages, all work and no play make Jack a doll boy. Guess who wrote all those pages? Kubrick's uh, secretary, Margaret Warrington. 500 pages oh my typewritten.
1: Gosh, of doing it in different styles, different indents, yes. different mess ups and all this stuff. Yeah,
0: different, and Different variations of the phrases even for four different languages. Oh my gosh! In French, German, Italian, and Spanish, five hundred pages each. So there's a thousand. There's two thousand, three thousand pages. Yeah, like that's insane. Holy crap! That's insane in the brain. Um, and so this,
1: this writing makes me think that's what I would be doing in Jack's classroom as he's my teacher. All work and no play makes <laughs> yeah. Trav a dull boy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, So, and do you want to know what the phrase, so they turn, they changed the phrases slightly for the different languages so that they would make sense. Oh, sure. Because somebody in Germany wouldn't understand, uh, uh, all, all play, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. They wouldn't understand that. I mean, that's like an American phrase. So in Germany it was, don't put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Okay. All right. And in in Italian, it was the early bird gets the worm. Sure. That seems less applicable to what the, uh,
1: doesn't seem to get the point
0: across it doesn't get that the point. he is actually
1: right trying to get across
0: yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem like the yeah it doesn't seem like the right point
1: um so uh, like those make it seem like there's a light at the end of the tunnel yeah, yeah. his makes no that light is long gone exactly
0: exactly um jack does walk in on wendy looking thumbing through these pages how do you like it <laughs> you said you wanted to read some. Where's my sandwiches <laughs> What are you doing down here? I just wanted to talk to you, says Wendy. Okay, let's talk. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) Well, I I got this (laughs) bad. I can't remember. You can't remember? Maybe it was about Danny. Uh, And uh, once again, Danny is listening, and he can see that his father's true intentions are murder. Oh, yeah. He's another instance of Jack wanting to kill Wendy and going to try this time, actually. Um, Wendy wants to leave because she's worried for Danny's Danny's health, but Jack isn't having it one bit. Uh, He has responsibilities to his employer. You know that's more important than my family. Ever think (laughs) he goes on a pretty epic rant? You know, I mean, that's a pretty iconic uh, set of lines that you get to.
1: And I mean, I know this would they would make it work if somehow it got screwed up, but I watched that thinking, how many takes did that take for him to get through that? Because. That She's just slowly backing up one step at a time, and it seems like he does it flawlessly, but I'm sure there's no way he pulled that off in it, one
0: shot. It was another scene that took a ton of takes. I'm sure. And the number that is coming to mind, I don't have it down. I just paged forward here real quick. The number that comes to mind was 127.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's believable. If it took that many shots for Dick and Danny's conversation, because right, right. this scene is... It's
0: powerful. It's very powerful. Um, you know, at this point, Wendy just wants to go back to the room because she's confused, right? Yeah. She's What other emotion could you be feeling at that point besides confusion? Yeah. The person that you supposedly love, you married and had a child with, is now wanting to kill you? Yeah. Uh, literally, Jack says, I don't think you going back to the room and trying to sort things out is going to do you any good. Um, He says, besides, I don't want to hurt you. I just want to bash your fucking head in. Yeah. Right. That's, uh, wow, that's, uh, I would feel like I was going to die if I was in Wendy's yeah. position. Honey, <laughs> darling,
1: light of my life. Man, he is so good in that scene. And mm-hmm. it's before that, but when um, she says that she wants to get Danny to get some help, and he says when, and she says, as soon as possible, and he does that, <laughs> as soon as possible. I, I love that. That so was much. really
0: good. That was really good. Um, Wendy does stick to her guns, though. Yeah. Like, this is a moment of strength for Wendy, really 100%. St- standing up for herself and being like, this is fight or flight, yeah. and I got to run. <laughs> do,
1: do you think she was like smacking Stanley in her head? Like, you son of a bitch. I'm you know, sure she no, Jack I'm, you right there the steps.
0: Knowing uh, Kubrick, that was probably what he wanted to go for. He yeah. wanted the, you know, Jack and Kubrick, during the, the pictures of them in this film they have a lot of similar look to them. Yeah. I could see that being a very intentional thing on Kubrick's part to try to get the two people in her mind to blend, to really get her to hate both of them.
1: Yeah. You know, hundred percent. So that as soon as he jumps in Stanley, that being, there's no comfort level. Like you're still as uncomfortable with him coming in and directing you in yes, some way yes. as you just were in that scene. Yep. So not saying it's right, but it clearly worked.
0: Um, uh, you know, she does hit jack in the head very hard very right hard. the hand and then the head and then when jack falls back he smashes his head on that step <laughs> oh yeah like that stunt guy i hope that step was padded or something because that dude is dead yeah he hit his head so hard on that so step. hard i couldn't believe like that he hit his head honestly like i just thought of the stunt man i'm like i hope that was padded because that looked painful. Yeah, painful, painful, painful. But it knocks him out cold, and it should. He's even like drooling from the drooling from the face. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's gonna drown in his own spit almost. You know? Yeah. Um. Wendy does drag him into the pantry just as he's waking up. Yeah, just in time. Oh my god, I have serious doubts that her ninety-eight poundness would be able to to drag him. That no far. way. I don't think I could drag him that far. I was thinking the I same don't thing. Think like there's any possibility.
1: <sighs> I mean. So it could have taken him three hours to wake up. It could have. How long it took her to drag it him there. It very I well know, could but have. But I, I thought the same thing. There is no way she drug him all the way through there. But
0: Jack does wake up and he tries to
1: play the sympathy card, right? Yeah. Uh,
0: I hurt my head real bad. Real bad. Yeah, right, you jerk. I, think I saw, <laughs> <laughs>
1: you jerk. I think I saw something in the making of that. That was one of the first times they used like the camera underneath, really, for that angle or for that angle, and it worked out. Pretty oh damn yeah, well. yeah.
0: Even though isn't like the image has always seemed a little bit uncomfortable to me because it feels like it should be almost oriented the other way. Yeah, but uh, maybe that's what he was going for for an uncomfortable, uneasy feeling while yeah. you're looking at because it, it should be. Um, Wendy does tell Jack that she's taking Danny and they're going to get in the snowcat and they're going to go down the sidewinder or go down sidewinder. Yeah. So is that an actual name? I didn't quite understand that. Like, is that this kind of road that's going? Cause you know, it's kind of winding along the mountain. So would it be considered a sidewinder Right. or is that road called the sidewinder? Yeah. Sidewinder Uh, road. uh, I don't know. It could be. I don't know. Um, but uh, with a very min- maniacal laugh, why don't you go check out the snow cat? You're not going anywhere. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. Oh, man. Uh, but Grady is at the pantry, at the storeroom, to bust Jack out. Yep, wakes him up after he was clearly munching a whole bunch of Oreos and peanut butter. <laughs> yep, and was dead asleep, which is not the best thing for a man with a concussion. Yeah. He's lucky he woke up. Um This is the first, well, this is really the confirmation that the ghosts can physically manipulate objects. Yeah. Because Grady lets him out after making fun of him for not killing his family yet. You're going to do it? What are you doing? Yeah, he gives them one more shot, basically. (laughs) You're failing. (laughs) Luckily, Halloran is almost there. Uh, Danny writes red rum and lipstick on the door and starts screeching this time. With a knife. <laughs> 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 he does, like, caress that knife. Before. Yeah. It's very uneasy. But yes. it's, it's actually not Danny. I should have said Tony does this Tony. because it's full-on Tony. But time for the famous Here's Johnny line. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's exciting to be here finally. Um, Jack is just chopping down doors. It's, I always forget after I watch this movie, it's not the first door that he chops down. Right. It's the second door. Yeah, it's the second door because yes. he chops down the exterior door and then he chops down the bathroom door. Um, Wendy at this point is trying to escape out that bathroom door or out that bathroom window and unfortunately only Danny can fit and I don't know maybe a little bit more desperate grab something to try to break that window and get a something. bigger thing I don't know I mean I guess trying to squirm out over broken glass in a window frame probably wouldn't be very good either, but I I feel like she could have fit through that hole. She's tiny. She could go feet first or something. Yeah, something. Have Danny pull you something. Yeah, something. something. But she stays in there, and she's got to fight Jack off now. Um, Interestingly enough, 60 doors were destroyed for this axe scene. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) Took three days to film this scene. Jeez. Yeah, that's pretty intense. Um, Kubrick initially used fake doors. But Jack was able to smash through them too quickly. Oh, man. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, did you know that uh, Jack was uh, trained as a fire marshal in real life? And that's no, I didn't why know he got that. all those axe skills.
1: Nice. So they had to go to
0: real doors. That's super cool. Like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm way too professional for your fake doors. <laughs> I know how to chop down doors. Get some real doors, please. What yeah, the hell? <laughs> and like I said before, that Here's Johnny line was an improvi- improvised line by Jack Nicholson. Um, like I said, Wendy's going to have to fight her way out. This is so scary when she's in there. Oh, my like, God. Crazy so scary. And also so iconic, right? Yes. just There's nothing else to say about that. Um, I love this scene. Totally awesome. Every time I see it, it's goosebumps, heart racing. Even if I've watched it three times in a row, it's oh, yeah. still like, oh, my God, distressing this scene. Yeah.
1: Do you ever picture the Super Bowl commercial from a few years, few years ago where they did this with Mountain Dew? I don't, down the door. I don't remember that oh my one. Gosh,
0: I don't remember that
1: one. We should find that and put it in the link to the I next can episode. Definitely I do that because it's hilarious. Because now every time I see Jack tearing the door down, I think of that damn
0: commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see that. I need to see that for sure. Um, Wendy does slice Jack's hand when he's kind of reaching there, but yeah. Uh, Jack is easily distracted by Dick Hollering, uh yeah, arriving he, at the hotel. He just doesn't care anymore. Uh, it, you would think just... that he would bust the rest of his way into that bathroom and put an axe in Wendy's head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm
1: certainly not going to pretend like getting cut with that knife wouldn't have hurt, but I think at the psychotic level he's at at this point, there is no way that's stopping him. No. From, that just pissed him off way yeah. worse. But yeah, he hears that snow cat and yep. he's like, I'll get to her later. I get to her later. No big deal. No big
0: deal. Uh, Danny's back inside the hotel at this point, and he's hiding in the worst hiding place possible. Yep, <laughs> it's just the door didn't even shut. Like I know, and you got plenty of time to go find a new spot. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even
1: get caught in there, like really close. But every time he goes in and the door doesn't close, my heart's just
0: kind of drops. Exactly, like, what are you doing? Which they use a scene, a shot of Danny in that, um, in that little cabinet early on in the film. And they use it again later on in the movie. so oh, okay. So it must be on purpose, like we've said with Stanley yeah. Kubrick before. Um, but uh, Dick Halloran gets to enter the Overlook Hotel. Uh, and Dick Halloran's dead. And Dick <laughs> is dead. Yeah. I,
1: I don't know. Talking about this right now, I've been thinking, why in the hell didn't he come armed in any way, shape, or form? You like, would... I'm not saying bring a gun. Right. You were basically called from Danny to come help, and you just cl- slowly walked down this hotel with nothing to defend yourself.
0: Exactly, like even like a stick, a stick. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> like, a like stick. one that you grabbed off the ground before you walked in the door. Yeah, or you something, work
1: here, so something. you know where stuff is. You're a cook. Yeah, you don't want to go grab a knife or, or any sort of blunt object.
0: Maybe the shining doesn't work this way, but maybe use the shining to try to locate Jack. Yeah percent. So you could say that this is maybe an instance where it's, you could say that maybe Jack doesn't shine. Yeah. Because you would think that, ah, I guess he did know. Ex- well, there's only one entrance that uh, Halloran could have come in. I suppose if Halloran was smart, he would have come in a different entrance a besides different the front. Maybe he was or, snowed in or something like that. But like if
1: he can't communicate with uh, Jack, why doesn't he try to figure out where Danny is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Danny's outside. Now I only need to find Wendy. Right. But, I don't know. Yeah,
0: it it is kind of. And a, you would almost think like Danny in.
1: would be his main concern. Like, okay, he's outside. I'm going to get with him, make sure he's in the safe, get him or safe and in the snowcat or something. Yeah, but okay. he's just like.
0: Eh. Yeah, he just doesn't do any of that stuff. He just, he just walks goes in, in there and gets, in. gets dead. Dick Halloran enters the hotel. Dick Halloran's <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> Danny felt that one when yeah. Halloran took that axe to the chest. Oh, I, felt, I felt, that. felt that. I was just going <laughs> <supposed laughs> to say, I felt that one. Should Danny have stayed put?
1: Uh No. I mean,
0: if he didn't scream, maybe? Even with the scream. Do you think the scream located him that well? I think so. Yeah, probably.
1: Yeah. I think he's, I mean, in the movie, you don't hear him scream because it plays this music in the background, but as soon as he screams, Jack looks down the hallway, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. he at least knows he's down there. Yeah. So I guess he didn't for sure know where he was hiding, but he's like oh, I got you, Danny
0: boy. Yeah, it would have been a simple case of just opening everything while looking for him. And maybe it. opening it with an axe. So maybe he should have ran. Yeah, I think you're right. I was on the other camp on that thinking that he should probably uh, stayed put, but you lay out a good stream of facts there, and I agree with you. He should have ran. Yep. Good play, Danny. <laughs> Good job, Danny. <laughs> um, at this point, though, even Wendy is getting in on the creepy stuff. She's starting to have hallucinations yes. and seeing stuff like the bear and the man with the ducks. Yes, that they is were... written
1: down as the last thing in my notes. The yeah.
0: weirdest scene of the movie. They are having an intimate moment. Yes. I just don't get that. <laughs> um, this is where I really noticed for the first time that high-pitched whine. That comes yep. with the anytime anybody's shining, or anytime oh, uh, yeah. something weird happens, or even with at this point with Wendy, it's almost like satanic chanting. Yes. Yeah. So I think those are clear indicators now on subsequent watch throughs where I noticed it a lot more, you know. So.
1: It's hereditary, so is this showing in any way that she also can shine, or is this just like Dick says, where the hotel is choosing to shine right now and show you what it wants to show you? I,
0: th- I think that the hotel like is whipped up into this giant frenzy because yeah. of uh, Hallor- uh, Halloran being murdered now, and Jack exposing or espousing all of this negative psychic energy into yeah. the into the hotel. And it's just like a feedback loop at this point. And the hotel is gaining power. Right. from.
1: I mean, you just took a shiner or whatever you want right. to call it. Yeah. Like he yeah. can shine and he just died and it leaves part of you behind. Yeah. So that the, like, yeah, well, they just went super saiyan. I don't uh, know.
0: Right. Or maybe it's Highlander rules and uh, Danny absorbed all the power from Halloran. Yeah. Or Jack did. Who knows? Um, uh, so but yeah we get the with Wendy seeing uh, uh, the dude and the, the bear and the guy in the tux uh, the dude with his head split open great party right great party. And that's right after she sees uh, Halloran dead on the floor so that would make sense that he's such a high area or high instance of the shine. That more psychokinetic weird stuff would start That's happening true. around where he died. I didn't right? even think we, of that really until we've we s- talk. See any hallucinations in that part of the hotel at all. But yeah. now what there is, because there's all that extra psychic energy possibly. Yeah. Um, we get a bunch of skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kinda <laughs> out of place. It doesn't seemed, it seem like that? I wrote down it seemed hokey. Yeah. Right. It Why was almost like
1: see them alive as ghosts or something. Like right. It was that.
0: almost like somebody said, uh, um, this is a horror flick, right? Yeah.
1: We need a bunch of skeletons. Yeah, it is. Some cobwebs, some skeletons. Just throw it in uh, the end somewhere. I don't know. There's enough crazy stuff going on.
0: And we finally get that uh, uh, blood elevator payoff, though, which yeah. is really great to actually see. Like, there's that. This has been building up. We've been yeah. seeing this scene through the whole movie over and over and over. And if you were at the time going to see this movie, you probably saw the uh, preview over and over and over with the bloody right. elevator. It's pretty iconic. Um, imagine being in Wendy's spot and having no psychic, no hallucinations, nothing like that whatsoever. And all of a sudden you're thrown in the deep end and watching people get murdered and all that type of stuff. That seems pretty dang crazy to me. Yeah. Um, Danny does escape Jack by running outside and then into the hedge maze, hedge maze. I cannot say that one bit. Um, so now we're in the hedge maze. Yay. (laughs) Uh, this maze was first built at MGM British Studios and then recreated in the England-based Elstree Studios, whatever that means, okay. assuming it's a place. Um, the snow was made from dairy salt and styrofoam snow, yeah. so that sounds awesome. Dense oil smoke, that the dense atmosphere was like an oil smoke mm-hmm. uh, that was pumped in there for eight hours a day. The crew used gas masks while they were recording in that sound studio. Yeah. Like that's intense. Like, how bad is? And they were all smoking cigarettes too at the time. Right? Yep, yep. <laughs> oh boy. But you get that epic game of cat and mouse between Danny and uh, and Jack. You know, but Danny is uh, smart enough. Probably saw some old uh, um, old West movies or something like that. Something. You know, stepping or even
1: back. a cartoon.
0: Yeah, or even a cartoon. I mean, that's something that happens in cartoons. And he retraces his footsteps. It confuses and strands Jack in the maze. Yep. And that is the end of Jack. Um, Wendy does make it outside, and she and Danny get out of the maze and they escape down the mountain. We assume. Right. We don't actually get to see it. We get a frozen Jack Torrance, and then we find out Jack really has been there the whole time. Correct. Right. Fourth of July ball, 1921. What a twist! I don't get it, but <laughs> roll credits, roll credits, um, it, it is, a, maybe it's a twist for a twist's sake, you know? Yeah. I don't feel like that from coming from Kubrick, but it's the first time you see this movie. If you don't know, it's very iconic and has been played off of lots and lots of times. The whole idea of the closing the movie with the picture and you're in the picture, blah, 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 blah. Um, but if you didn't know that, that is quite the twist. And I think it is expertly done at the end of the movie. Yeah, and it's to get you
1: thinking, isn't it? Yes, I mean, yes. So you can't, okay, I watched it once, I get it, never going to watch it again. You're like, okay, that didn't make any sense, I need to watch this movie again. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, That was fun. I love that movie.
1: It is amazing. It really
0: is. Um, Do you want to give some final opinions right now, or do you want to talk about some fan theories?
1: Hmm... I don't know if I have an opinion other than I freaking love this movie Yeah, so for much. real, right? And it was definitely fun for us to talk about a non-comedy movie. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. But I'd like to hear some of these fan theories, because we kind of talked a little bit about
0: this off the podcast. We did, but quickly, me too. It's hard to have an, any opinion besides, awesome movie, really, really well shot. The story was okay. It's just, it's a Kubrick film, and they're usually really, really good, yeah. and- It's a piece of cinema, you know, it is in the library of Congress, you know, so it was deemed like influential and essential to like the American people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? Hell yeah. (laughs) So there are some fan theories about what The Shining actually means, and we'll just touch on them here really quickly. Um, One of them is The Shining is about the genocide of the Native Americans. So like we said... The hotel is built on an Indian burial ground. There's depictions of Native Americans and Native American art motifs. Uh, Jack used the phrase uh, white man's burden, which is a title of a poem by a man named Rudyard Kipling, which valorizes the colonization of Natives by white imperialists. So that guy liked the fact that whites were taken over America from Indians, from yeah. Native Americans. American Indians What's the what's the correct nomenclature? Isn't it American Indians now? Native I really Americans. Don't I don't think anybody would take an offense at Native Americans. So I'll stick with Native Americans. Um, I, I, I can see how people can draw like the blood representing all the people that died there and all. I can see I can see that. I don't really like that uh, that fan theory very much. Yeah. How about that that fact that Kubrick is confessing to staging the moon landing? <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: this just throws me off. I gotta hear about this.
0: First off, the moon landing wasn't faked. That happened. It happened, people. So we're gonna get that out of the way. It wasn't faked. It happened. It wasn't uh... faked. Fake. The <laughs> Earth is not flat. Exactly. Some people. On. Some people think that the government hired Stanley Kubrick because of his work on 2001: A Space Odyssey to stage the Apollo 11 moon landing. Oh my God! Right, and people point to. The flag not waving, the no stars in the sky and stuff like that to it being on a sound studio. But there are plenty of facts out there that explain all of those things that are realistic and are based in science. Right.
1: <laughs> We're going to go with science. We're going to go
0: with science. Uh, Danny is wearing a sweater with a rocket and the words Apollo 11 on it. That's pretty dang obvious. Yeah. Same thing with the tang in the pantry. You know, um, and it could even be boiled down to the fact that Kubrick was aware of this Conspiracy theory, yeah, and played into it yeah. on
1: purpose. Yeah, just threw another layer in here to get people thinking, and
0: might have just been fucking with people. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I kind of like that explanation of that fan theory that ultimately it was Kubrick playing a joke. You know, yeah, it's kind of an example of being meta before meta was like a real thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that a lot. Uh, the one that I like the most is the fact that the Overlook is hell. I think that's the most plausible one, and it's the one that I like the most. For one, the hotel layout is constantly shifting. We talked about the entering one uh, freezer and leaving another, you know, even though the shot stayed the same. Mm -hmm. Uh, The window in Allman's office, the conversation with Wendy and Jack in the Colorado Lounge where the chair is disappearing and reappearing. Um, Kubrick um, was a stickler, you know, and he did these things on purpose. You know, maybe Jack died long ago and this is his own personal hell. And another final one. Jack is never seen outside the overlook or the road that leads up to it. You know, there's many other facts about all of these um, conspiracy theories, fan theories, I should say, not conspiracy theories. Um, So go check them out. The link to these things are in the show notes. Go read about them. There's a whole bunch of other ones. There was like seven or eight different theories. I'm like, I'll choose three.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And that one does make the most sense. But like we talked about, Jack is out at least one time with Wendy, when they're talking about the hotel with the hotel manager and when it was built and whatnot, so that kind of throws it off a little bit. And I don't get the fact that Danny and Wendy are constantly being brought to suffer with him. Like if it's his hell, why are they suffering independently Mm -hmm. in different ways?
0: You could you could think that maybe they're just figments of his hell. True. So in actuality, they don't exist. I guess that's true. But you know if. They were murdered, let's say he murdered them there, maybe they're trapped in this same hell, you know? And yeah. They didn't die, but maybe they die going down the mountain. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I would trust myself driving down a mountain in a gigantic blizzard snowstorm.
1: Yeah. Could have easily died. Or, I mean, like you said, if he already killed them, and this is their ghost, then he was trying to kill nothing hypothetically
0: hypothetically
1: he was chasing his own ghosts and demons and then he died and they ride off into the not
0: sunset but darkness right i don't know well that's that's another thing is they do ride off into darkness yes so you could anything beyond the snow adds that you know haze like of a draw distance in a video game where you don't know what's past it like is this a contained little universe where There's nothing past it, and when they drive into the darkness, they simply don't exist anymore.
1: Yeah, and her only... So she drove shotgun, so she rode there Yep, with no snow, obviously. Yep. I feel like her only hope that makes sense to get out is it hasn't snowed enough to cover the tracks from Dick showing up in his snow.
0: Yeah, that would be
1: about it. So that's all she can do is just follow the tracks in the darkness.
0: Mm -hmm. So I think... It is Jack's personal hell. That's my opinion on that one. Great movie, like we said. Um, homework assignment time.
1: Let's assign some homework.
0: T M N T. Teenage
1: Mutant Ninja Turtles.
0: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Turtles Uh, in a half shell. Turtle power. Uh, (laughs) March thirtieth, nineteen ninety. New Line Cinema. Two hundred two million. That's four hundred and fifty seven million and. Uh, 2022. Uh, thank you, usinflationcalculator.com. Um, the budget of the movie was only 13.5 million dollars, so this was considered the highest-grossing independent film up to that time, surpassed by the Blair Witch Project in 1999. Crazy. That is crazy, isn't it? I didn't realize that it was an independent film. For I, how much production either. is in it? Yeah, that's maybe independent film is loose, like a loose, loosely independent. I don't know. Two sequels. Uh, we'll get to them eventually. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. No subline with that one. <laughs> um, You know, there's a couple of different, uh, so there's the live action people, and then the people that did the voice acting. Um, like Judith Haug Is April O'Neil, I don't know how you say her last name. Yeah. Um, there's a few other people, you know, blah 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 blah. Don't really care about that. And James Saito or oh, as Oraku Sakai, uh, the Shredder. Um, uh, he leads the network of the Runaways turned thieves. And then uh, Toshi Toshihiro Obata uh, as Master Tatsu, which was, you know, Shredder's deal, right? Shredder's second in command. Yeah, Shredder. Uh, Sam Rockwell's in this movie. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, obviously. I don't remember him being in it at all. I don't either. I've looked at Target a couple other t- a couple times trying to find this trilogy on Blu-ray, and it's just not there. I'm going to have to buy it, off of, buy it off of the Amazon or something like that. Um, but of course, the voice cast, Brian Tochi as Leonardo, Josh Pius as Raphael, Corey Feldman as Donatello. Yay, Corey Feldman. Yay. Uh, Robbie Rist as Michelangelo, Kevin Clash as Splinter and uh <gasps> david Macharin. mccarran McCaren? i'm gonna go McCarron. and michael mcconaughey as master tetsu um yeah march 30th 1990 um you can find this one on dvd and where else do you think you can find this one, Trav? I forgot to look that part up. I actually think
1: all three of them are on Netflix. Hey, that's even
0: better. I don't have to go buy it. Maybe I, I want to yeah. buy it for my collection, but that'd be about it.
1: Yeah, I do think they're on Netflix. They were recently, at least. So who knows with how much they take things down, but...
0: Yeah. Um, just a reminder about your long-term homework assignment. Kirby Superstar, March 21st, 1996. Probably after this Ninja Turtles episode. We'll probably get that one out to you guys, so... Yep. We'll uh, remind you on Ninja Turtles, and then we'll talk about it again. Oh, yeah. And uh, another thank you to timotheus oh, yes. 1978
1: yes, 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 for suggesting us doing TMNT.
0: See, if you email us and you suggest stuff and you create stuff, we're going to use it. We're going to do it. We <laughs> want to do the podcast you want to listen to. Yep. You're going to be on it. So, yep. 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 <laughs> yep. All right. Your turn, Trav.
1: Hit us with that outro. Outro, we're time to get into some emails here. So, our first email comes from Fright Night 92 says, I loved your Halloween Nicktoons episode. Could we expect this to be a Halloween tradition? Also, do you guys plan to ever do other holiday episodes such as Christmas and Fright Night 92? I think so. Drew yeah. and I, I have talked about doing it again next year with different Nicktoons mm-hmm. and maybe, you know. Years after incorporating some Cartoon Network shows or something. Yep. But what were some of the ones you had looked up? We could do Doug.
0: Doug. And some other ones. Hey Arnold. Um, what else? There was a few other ones. Those are the two that are coming to mind because I was like, those would be a couple of really good ones. I'm to sure there's an
1: all, uh, real Monsters. Oh, yes. So.
0: real Monsters. That was another one. So we have Rugrats. plenty of Nicktoon options. Yeah, there's plenty this. of Nicktoon options.
1: There actually. might even be a couple episodes mixed into the shows we've done already that yeah. we could do another one.
0: You guys really seem to like those Nicktoons episodes, so we're gonna keep making them. That's for sure.
1: We love Nicktoons. I, I want to go watch the B movie Angry Beavers episode again because it's so good. Um, I put as for Christmas episodes. That is a great idea. Fright Night ninety two. But we were not planning on doing that this year, but I would expect it probably for December twenty
0: twenty three. Yeah, definitely expected twenty twenty three. Um, we do have some Christmas movies on the docket. That um, one of them is going to be a double feature, which will be a fun episode to do. Oh yeah, um, I'm sure you can probably figure out which one that one's going to be.
1: But uh, no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, next email comes from Give Me a Year. House, says I totally forgot Jack Black was in Cable Guy.
0: Do you guys have a favorite Jack Black movie? Oh, favorite Jack Black movie. Favorite Jack Black movie. Jack Black Jack Black movie. Uh, Nacho Libre is underrated. Um, I enjoy that movie quite a bit. Um, But I think my favorite Jack Black movie is going to be Tenacious D and The Pick of Destiny. Okay, for sure. Um, My favorite one
1: isn't a quote-unquote Jack Black movie, but he is one of the main characters in Orange County.
0: Oh, I've only seen that movie one time, but he is very good in it. Oh, my God. He's hilarious in that
1: movie. Um, next email comes from, you're in my world now, Grandma, wants to know our favorite Ben Stiller movie.
0: Uh, Tropic Thunder for me, easily, even though there's some very, very questionable Robert Downey Jr. blackface in it. Very... I'm so uncomfortable. That movie came out in, like, 2010. Yeah. Like, I.
1: Very it's questionable. Very, but very funny movie. That movie is hilarious. And Jack Black is in that movie. Yeah, he, he is, is in that, yes. And he he's is. hilarious in that he is. movie, too.
0: As a dope fiend. <laughs> yes.
1: You think you're the only one who doesn't like his jelly beans? <laughs> <laughs> um, for Ben Stiller, I put, as a kid, heavyweights was oh, my favorite one. That's a good one. one. For sure. Um, Happy Gilmore. Again, he's not a main character, but we've mentioned him. Is and, he even
0: in the theatrical cut? Oh, is yeah. he, he's in the theatrical. He's not yeah. in
1: the, only the unrated version. No, nope, okay, he's, okay. he's in the theatrical cut. Um, and then I put Envy. Have you ever heard or seen that movie? No. So that is actually Ben Stiller and Jack Black. are The oh. two main people. It's from 2004, I believe. Oh. So unfortunately, we can't do it. But basically, Jack Black invents a spray that makes dog poop vaporize. Oh. Vaporize. Vaporize. I- <laughs> <laughs> I and remember that he gives movie. He Ben Stiller the option to like go in 50-50 with him and he doesn't do it. And then Jack Black becomes rich and Ben Stiller has to envy deal with it. I like it. But that is a really good movie. So if you guys like either of those two, you should watch Envy because it's hilarious. But it will not be Homer. Next email comes from Scooby Snacks 88. Says, you guys have mentioned some different pops and snacks that you missed from when you were kids. I loved Dunkaroos and 3D Doritos, both of which have made a comeback. Are there any others you haven't mentioned that you wish would make a comeback?
0: Have I mentioned Better Cheddars? You have not. Better Cheddars, man. You can still get them, but you know it's in a little box on the top shelf. Better Cheddars. I love them. Better, better Cheddars Cheddar, for sure. Better Cheddars. Better, Cheddar. better Cheddars. Better Cheddars. Better Cheddars. Better, 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 better sure Cheddars. Now? Better Cheddars. I put checkered Cheetos. Checkered Cheetos. I don't
1: recall that at all. So. They had the X's and O's. Do you remember this? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So X's and O's were good. They're kind of like the Cheeto paws that are out now. Yeah. But these checkered Cheetos were like the perfect mix between the normal crunchy Cheeto and a Cheeto puff. Ah. So it didn't get stuck in your teeth, but it was different than the normal Ah, crunchy Cheeto. That's great. So yes, uh, Frito-Lay, I know you're listening, so that is my suggestion, checkered Cheetos. Um, Next email, here comes from... Paperboy79 wants to know, were there any games that you were unstoppable at as a kid, whether it was just your friend
0: group or not? Unstoppable. Well, I played, this is, I suppose Halo came out, Halo Technical, the first Halo came out in 98, maybe it was 2000. I'm not sure. Regular Xbox. It was regular Xbox. I'm going to say it was 99, so I'm going to go with it. But we played that so much. I got really, really good at that. Those multiplayer levels, especially in the the first Box Canyon one, you get that shotgun, you're running up along the edge, and you're just mowing people down. I got really good at that one. Oh, yeah. Nice. So I
1: put Mario Party 2, more specifically a mini game in Mario Party 2, (laughs) Mecha Marathon, which I have never been beaten. So if anybody wants to challenge me and put some recording times on for your guinness record of mecha marathon i'd love to see it but nobody ever beat me in that game it's literally just pressing the a and b button simultaneously (laughs) as fast as you can on the 64 controller like i just think i had a lot of training with that between the dynasty warriors franchise and just having to press buttons repeatedly it's it's not a fluke. I'm unstoppable. I've had a lot of people throughout the years like, I'm sure I could beat you, or they say they know <laughs> somebody who's quote-unquote faster than me, but I haven't seen it yet, so there it is. Mechamarathon. Uh, uh,
0: you know, I will say a game that I got really good at was Metal Gear Solid. I would be able to whip through that game super, super quick. And, you know, oh, yeah. all the different endings that you could get with it, so there was high replay value and you'd get that stat sheet at the end and I would do my best to Go no kills under two hours and all this other stuff. So I got pretty dang good at that game too. The hardest thing about that was the time, trying to get the time down because you can only you can only go so fast when you're going from screen to screen, especially at the end. You know about heating up the card and cooling. Yeah, Mm -hmm. when you're doing that stuff, you can only do it so fast. you know, and so but that would that would probably be another one that I got really good at.
1: Yeah, and you can thank Tom Morehouse for that one. (laughs) Thanks, Tom. Finally caving and buying that game (laughs) for Drew, so he didn't have to keep renting it. Um, Last email comes from Sandy Cheeks, writes in with a movie request. She says, hi, you guys should do Silence of the Lambs, best movie of all time. And simple and to the point, but I think we're going to have to do that eventually because we've mentioned this movie multiple times in regard to Jim Carrey's love for it or Anthony Hopkins or both, and it is a great movie, so it only seems right that we cover it. It's moving
0: up the list. It's moving up the list. Our list is only through part of 2023, but it's moving up the list. moving up
1: the list. So thank you for that topic suggestion. And uh, that wraps up our emails. If you want to email us, and we hope you do, email us at overduehomeworkpodcast at gmail.com. Topic suggestions, ideas, anything you want me to read, it will get read. Recipes. Recipes. (laughs) Seriously, I want a recipe now. Give us some recipes. Uh, Check us out on Twitter at Overdue Homework and Instagram at Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, don't forget to tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.